So I made it a goal, and I promised to myself not to come to the monastery by, mis by myself, but not with a lot of people either, so I would not overburden the few fathers with excessive hospitality. But I tried to bring one or two different friends with me every time so they can see and feel holiness in practice, to see the gospel applied, and not to read the words of Christ in the gospel, but to see the application of these holy words in the life and the example of a contemporary holy man. The first one was my friend who came all by himself. When I went out outside, I started with him. I said, we have a very important man here, my friend. And I proceeded to tell him some of his revelations. He began to fear. And the elder told me, Tell him, tell him he needs to come in because he has a serious health problem. So he went to see him, and the elder revealed to him many things from his past and his life in general. And the elder told me, you know, this young man has a problem with his hormones. The endocrine system and its fluids define the secondary characteristics of the male, like hair growth, the low voice of men, so you will take him to an endocrinologist, but I will also try to help him. I will pray with you to St. David so he can give him a beard. So we went in the church, and we stopped in front of the icon of St. David. He lowered the oil lamp of the saint, and he placed his fingers inside the lamp, and then he said, Come, my child. He called his name. He made the sign of the cross on his face, and he placed the oil on him. And he said, I pray that God grants you a beard like St. David's. St. David has a very long beard. In 15 days, the young man developed a full-grown beard, even though up to this point, he did not even have a single hair. He was basically an albino. From this, we were fully convinced but here we have a great man of God. Later on, I became fully aware of this, having met other saintly people of God, like Father Porfirios and other Hagarite fathers, but especially Father Porfirios, who revered Elder Jacobus and went to him secretly to see him and confess to him. And one time, even Elder Paisios from the Holy Mountain came to see him and many other people of God of that time. Now I will give you some other details about the elder so you can see how he communicated with the saints and especially the saint of his monastery, Saint David. Saint David had and he has a great gift to answer prayers about rainfall, something that is very much needed from time to time, especially in the nearby villages whose livelihood solely depended on that year's crop. So the villagers would come to the elder and plead with him to pray for rain. So that specific year, the villagers came from Libanades, and this was the village of St. David. And now let's watch these people. Let's see how they went about seeking their rain from God. Not like us today. Today we do a couple prostrations, we have the priest read a couple quick prayers, and we think that this will obligate God to reign. 
these people came on foot 20 kilometers. They entered the church and they fell on their knees. Gerondiakovos would start a supplication service. The entire congregation would pray with tears. At the end of the service, the elder would take the kara, the holy skull of the saint David, and they would walk another 20 kilometers in holy procession with the elder carrying the saint's skull, and they would go to the village, and they continued praying and supplicating, and it always rained. The villagers were so sure of this that they always brought their umbrellas along. These people had so much faith, they were certain that the elder Yaakovos, if the elder Yaakovos prayed to St. David, it would downpour. Years went by, and the elder became advanced in years, and he could not walk the 20 kilometers to the village and another 20 kilometers back. So on one occasion, the people came, we did the supplication, I lit the censer and I gave it to the elder, and he went in front of St. David, and now listen and marvel how one saint speaks to another. My old man, listen to me. Now I have become old like you. I'm an old man much like you. I can't carry you all the way to your village. It's very far. So please, I'm only going to take you for a little stroll around the nearby road bend for the sake of your villagers. And I want you to do me the favor and bring rain. Now, please, I can no longer walk all the way to your village, not to mention that I have so many people that come to see me for confession. So, please, I'm asking you again that when we get close to the road bend, I want you to let it break loose, thunder and all. Make sure you don't offend me. And he shook his finger at him. So he put on his petrahili, the stole, and he took the holy skull. And I remember I was walking in front with a censer. And the villagers walked behind with prayers and tears in their eyes. And the litany procession was on its way. We walked a couple hundred yards to the nearest road bend. And it began to thunder for a while. And then the downpour came. We ran back to the monastery, and a gust of wind took the elders' kalimafi. I attempted to chase after it, to recover it, and he stopped me. He said, let it go. The main thing is that we got our rain. We can always make more kalimafis. As you can see, this is how the people of God attract God's mercy. And they have their prayers heard, receiving their needed rain. It should serve as an example to us who live on an island with a problem of drought. And we need to know that for God to listen to us, our personal effort is also required. The Psalter says, Behold, look upon my humility and my toil and forgive all my sins. Prayer requires toil and work. And toil is synonymous with humility humility of the body and the soul, or the spirit. Elder Yaakovus had another trait that it would be good to bring it up and keep it in mind for all of us. 
he was fully aware and able to sense the spiritual events of the divine liturgy. In other words, the chanters chant, we who mystically represent the cherubim and the life-given trinity, the cherubimic hymn, as we say, the elder was seen, he was witnessing, he was participating in the cherubimic hymn. He was not only hearing like us priests and bishops and lay people, he was seeing it. Now you may ask, how? He was seeing the cherubim and the seraphim fly above the right side and the left side of the holy altar. And this at every divine liturgy. Not now and then or on some special occasion. He had visible presence of the angels at every one of his divine liturgies. He was seeing the angels with his physical eyes. Many times when he would proceed to come out during the great entrance, we would hear him say, or to speak to himself and say, he could not walk, but he would stop. We were thinking, now, what happened to him? We were concerned. Why is he not moving? What's happened? He was seeing so many angels, so many angels, and so near him, that many times we would hear him say, Excuse me, holy angel, can you please make some room so I can, I can get through? And the angels would make room so he would pass through. I remember one time a university professor came to visit with two busloads of his students of theology. And later on, his, this professor became a priest. His name was Father Epthimiu. And while visiting with the elder, the professor said, Elder Yakovos, I want you to tell these students what is faith to you. While all of us were expecting him to start quoting the definition of St. Paul, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrew chapter 11, that is. Let's listen how a holy man illiterate, or a few letters, having been brought up as a humble country worker but an Asia Minor refugee in his Fronima, let's listen how he lived the faith. Listen, my Mr. George. Faith for me, the lowly and dumb Yakovos, is to liturgize the bloodless sacrifice and on either side of the holy trapeza, the holy altar, to have angels flying and to be able to see them with my own physical eyes. Do you believe this? Do you believe this, my children? Speaking to the students, most of the students began to cry at this point. He told them, if you believe it and you are moved to tears from this faith, this is faith. Because what do you think faith is? Faith is to trust, he told one of the students. Trust my child. And he picked on a student who could not believe this. Trust my child. Now, Dom Yakovos is telling you this, that he sees this. So trust the faith of Yakovos. This is faith, my child. This is how the elder lived the divine liturgy. His guardian angel, the very things we say when we're small children. Otan pefto kanatostavromu, angelo echo stoplevromu. When I lay down to sleep, I make my cross to keep my angel on my side. 
he was visibly seeing his guardian angel. He was telling me, when people enter the door of my confessional, I see their guardian angel and I can see if they're good Christians from the face of the angel. If the angel is happy, I know that this man is trying. If I see the angel gloomy and following at a distance, I know that this man is not trying and he needs our help. Among other things, the elder was very comical and he had the gift of mimicking. He could mimic or he could perform theatrically a certain scene and to change three, four different voices. So he was a very graceful and uh, very amusing person, very amusing to be with. He was never tiring, it was very enjoyable to hear and watch, never boring. And this especially in closed circles, if he knew someone very well, he would get up and act out a certain event to teach something or to tell a story. So one time he was telling me that during a certain liturgy, he was sensing or he was hearing rather uh, something being in the altar and he was hearing the noise of some feathers. And he says, I thought to myself that Father Kirillos, the one who's the abbot now, I thought maybe he left the chicken shack open and one of our turkeys made it into the altar. And I turned on my right side and I saw that the guardian angel was watching me. My guardian angel and the noise were from the wings of my angel. And I asked for his forgiveness. Please forgive me for my indecent thought, Mr. Angel. And my angel gave me his blessing. Think of the simplicity of this man of God. Something else that shows his level of participation in the divine liturgy, he, when he was reading and commemorating the names, the names that you, the faithful, give to us for those asleep and for the living, he could see many times, not always, the state of the soul of the departed. If the deceased was condemned, he would see it and he would make a fervent prayer for that person. If someone was righteous, he could sense the joy of the righteousness of the soul of that man. One time, he saw his mother who had died and she told him, my son, Yakove, you commemorated everyone else today except me. And he tells her mother, how did I manage this? And she tells him, you forgot my child, you simply forgot. And I extracted a portion for her. Another time he saw the Archbishop, the one before the one we have now, the Archbishop of Cyprus, Macarius. Meanwhile, I had heard about this incident that the elder saw Macarius, and I was quite curious about this because Macarius was a controversial figure in the recent history of Cyprus. And I was somewhat perplexed because I had so many different revelations from Yeronda. He told me so much about so many different things, but somehow he failed to tell me about Macarius. Could this be a rumor or made up tales of the spiritual grapevine? Because many times people moved by religious exaggeration they go on to create all kinds of religious myths. 
That's why much attention and alertness is needed as to what do we hear and what do we pass on to other people. So I was thinking, could this be one of these exaggerations and not necessarily a true occurrence? And I was often tempted to ask the elder, but somehow I couldn't bring myself to do it. Now, what could I tell him? Tell me, is it true that you saw Macarius after he died? This would be so improper, very impolite. And I thought, I will pray about this, and if God illumines him, being that he's already illumined, uh, he will certainly tell me. So I, I remember it was about my last confession to him. At the time, I was taking some correspondence courses in theology, and I was ordained a deacon, Father Neophytos, that is, and this was my last confession at his monastery. This was about June, and the elder slept in the Lord in November of the same year. And I remember praying to Saint David, please, my Saint David, illumine the elder to tell me about this occurrence with Macarius. And as I was confessing, all of a sudden he changes the subject and he started saying, Oh, 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 by the way, something we all do when we forget something. And we instantly remember, oh, now, now that I remember, Father Neophyte, I must tell you something. And a time will come for you to make this known. You must speak out on this. What is it? I asked. You know, in one of my liturgies, I saw the previous despoti, or the previous bishop, the one before Chrysostomus. I thought he was referring to the bishop of my area, Kitiu Chrysostomus. And I said, you saw Antimos? No, I saw the predecessor of Archbishop Chrysostomus. I saw Macarius. All ears, I said, Elder, I heard about this, and I would like to hear from you uh, how this took place. How did it take place exactly? And now you can listen to what the man of God told me. My father Neophyte, I was reading the names at the first comedy. I was memorializing, and at that time, some nice young people from Cyprus, uh, you were bringing some of your family names of your loved ones, the deceased, and I was memorializing, and along with these names, I was often seeing the name of Macarius the Hierarch. And I began to memorialize this man. And when I was doing this, I was feeling so much joy. And I said to myself, he must have done some good things in his area. But I was also hearing some varying opinions from those visiting, even some negative comments that he was also the president, which goes against the canons. So I proceeded to make a special prayer for this man. And when I memorialized Macarius of the, uh, the hierarch, I heard a voice announcing to me his appearance during Proscomidi. And I heard of Macarius the Hierarch, Macarius the Hierarch, Macarius the Hierarch, announcing this three times. And I looked at my right side, and to my surprise, I saw a bishop standing. And I asked him, now Yeronda, how did you see him exactly? Nofite, how do you see me and how I see you? This is exactly how I saw him. Listen to these extraordinary details. 
he was vested by his full arteriotical vesture, and he was in much light. And I told him, I thank you, most blessed bishop, for visiting me. And he told me, no, I thank you, Father Iacobos, because even though I never did anything for you, you memorialized me, and I received great grace and joy from this prayer. Do you see how the souls communicate in the divine liturgy and in the memorializing that we do? And he took his portion and he left. And the elder told me, a time will come when some people will ask you, when I leave this world of vanity in a few months, they will ask you, write about this dumb Iacobus. And now that you are residing in Cyprus, you have my blessing to write, and later on when you become a bishop to speak about me. This entire prophecy was fulfilled completely. However, he continued to tell me, they will not publicize this incident with Makarios. There are still old strifes in Cyprus, and they always existed in the ancient church, so you must learn to forgive. So they will not write about this, but that's not a problem. Later on, when you become a bishop and you will be called upon to speak, you must do obedience, and you will bring up this incident with the Archbishop Makarios. Keep doing this so the heart of the Cypriots may become softer and spacious, to have a place for everyone. Now, as you can see, we are not saying these things from a political perspective or motivation. And please, don't think like this, because we will totally miss the spirit of these holy people. We are saying these things with a spiritual dimension, and you can see what it means to forgive. And the simple man of God, Iacobus, instilled this in me. Forgiveness, my son, sychorosi in Greek, means to open your heart, literally to make room in your heart for everyone to fit in, especially the heart of the priests must be wide open and spacious, and to memorialize as many people as possible. This is the literal meaning of the Greek word synchoresis, to allow everyone in your heart, to make room in your heart for everyone, to allow many people to fit in, to look at ourselves as a sum and not as individuals. As the general Makriyanis used to say, we must think as we, not I, we and us, and not just me. And Elder Yaakovos lived this reality. So Elder Yaakovos lived Christ, he lived the full meaning of forgiveness, and he worked with the pains and aches of the people of Greece, and he served all the students from Cyprus, and many times he prepared us for the future. He used to tell me, listen, my son, do not go to the holy mountain, and do not come here as a monk. If you come here, you will only come to see me because you love me much. However, in a couple of years, in a few months, I will sleep in the Lord. I will die. And then you will become an orphan for a second time. And this is not a good idea for you. You must head back to Cyprus. There's a man there for you. The only one in Cyprus. He was referring to Father Simeon. You will go there 
and then another one will come and you will make an attempt to work spiritually in the middle of this certain city. And later I did go to Larnaca, as he foretold. And then you will leave and go to a remote area and you will work a spiritual resurrection, a resurrection from the dead in that region. There was a monastery there which has died and you will resurrect it. And many people, many crowds will come to find rest. And you, the future monks, you will give rest and spiritual comfort to the world. And you know why? Because you, the future monks, will not be ascetics like us. You will talk much, but you will accomplish very little. Exactly how things are today, in other words. But he said, and this is what you must do. You will serve the needs of the people of God. And since you will not be great ascetics, you will be saved through the virtues of love and hospitality. And when I asked him, Yeranda, when the people come to the monastery, how should we act? The future monks of the 21st century, he told me, you must pay attention to three things. When people visit your monastery, you must offer them these three things. One smile, one glass of water, and one good word. What simple advice, and yet how necessary in our days. And this is not only for us monks, but for you, our brothers who are struggling in the world as well. I don't want to go on and on. I said many things here tonight, and I have tired you. There's so much to say, but we don't need to say everything. I simply wish to mention some points so you can sense the holiness of this man of God. As you see, the gospel is not just words, not just theory. The gospel needs to be applied to be practiced with mathematical accuracy, if you will. And in the person of Elder Yakovos, the promises of St. Paraskevi were totally realized. She told him that the powerful and the wealthy of the land will come to submit to you. When the last prime minister became ill, Andreas Papandreou, I happened to go to see the elder in the General State Hospital of Athens, and I saw that the hospital was surrounded by police. I asked him, Elder, what's going on? You have all kinds of Brahman soldiers around here. I said jokingly, and uh, all these are certainly not for you. And he said, no, they're not for me. They're for the Prime Minister Papandreou. He's a couple rooms down the hall, and he's also ill. And do you know what I did, Father Neophyte? What did you do, Yeronda? Uh, I want to ask you, I want to ask your opinion to see if I did the right thing. As you can see, that the humble man has no problem asking someone uh, small by spiritual standards his opinion. He says, a high-class lady came, a lady of high society came here, and this classy lady was Dimitra Liani, and she pleaded with me, Please, elder, please pray for my husband. And what is the name of your husband, my good lady? His name is Andreas. And not knowing who this Andreas was, I began to do prayers for some Andreas. And after a few days, the doctor Kremastinos came in, the one who later on became the Secretary of Health of Greece in the government of Papandreou. 
And the doctor asked the elder, Elder, are you well? Because Mrs. Dimitra here wants you to come and bless her husband, Mr. Andrea. So I got up and they were helping me to walk and we went to see this Mr. Andreas. Up to this point, the elder did not know that this was the number one man of Greece, Mr. Papandreou. So we got to the door and the doctor says, Elder, do you know which Andrea you're about to visit? Which one, my son? Andreas Papandreou, the prime minister. Please, my son, let me go back to my room. He's a person of importance. How can a scabby monk like me go in front of this famous and important man? He's a man of fame. At this point, Dimitra began to cry. Yeranda, please don't talk like this. She said, Yeranda, we will become forgotten. We'll be forgotten, but you will become an icon and you will be in churches someday. That's what she said, bless her heart. So please come and pray for my husband. So they enter the room, and there was Andreas Papandreou, and this was the first time when he was hospitalized with heart trouble. I asked everyone to leave the room, and then I felt a surge of power from above. He felt the grace of the Holy Spirit fill him. When Papandreou saw me, he grabbed my hand and began to kiss it desperately and repeatedly, and he cried out, Yeranda, Yeranda, save me. I'm going to die. I don't want to die just yet. Mr. Papandreou, get a hold of yourself. And here I heard about you being a great man, a mighty man, world-renowned. And I come here to find you crying like an old widow, like a woman. Well, I offended him a little bit, and this is necessary at times, Father Neophyte. And then I told him, have courage and be of good cheer and listen to me. In 40 days, you will be out of the hospital, and in a few months, you will be addressing the Greek people of the city of Patras from a balcony. You will govern Greece again, but pay attention not to fight the church anymore. Try to help the church. Andrea responded, Elder, if what you're telling me turns out to be true, I promise you, when I become re-elected, as you say, I will come to your monastery and whatever need, uh, needs you have, streets, bridges, buildings, I will renovate everything for you. Do you see the way of the politicians? Political talk, huh? Please, Mr. Kappas, uh, please don't take this personally. As you can see, this is the political mindset, quick to promise, and of course, the way of the promise. But let's listen how a man of God talks, the mindset of holiness. Listen, my Mr. Andreas, we don't have a single need at our monastery, and I will tell you why. At our monastery, we happen to have a saint. He's called Saint David. He's old but very miraculous. And I go and speak to his ear. My Saint David, we want this and this. St. David goes and whispers this to the ear of the Most Holy Theotokos. Or our Panagia. Our Panagia goes and whispers this in the ear of Christ, and we play this wireless phone tag, and whatever we ask him, it's as good as done. It's done. So if you wish to come to the monastery, come as a simple pilgrim, not as a man of might and authority. He humbled him with this uh, very polite, and tactful method. All these things came true. 
Andreas was re-elected as a prime minister, and as the historians will tell us, his position towards the church at least was much more positive, and he did go to the monastery. He kept his promise, and he carried out the pilgrimage. It is amazing to see how the saints hide behind or inside history. And something else before closing, again from a historical point of view. The now ecumenical patriarch Bartholomew was the Metropolitan of Philadelphia at the time, and he visited the elder. He had heard about him, and the late ecumenical patriarch Demetrius had sent him along with a large epistle, which the elder showed me later, and uh, I took it to Athens and had it framed for him. So Bartholomew gave him the epistle from Demetrius, which was full of admiration, by the way, amongst other things it said, my beloved and famous child of the blood-stained grounds of Asia Minor, now replanted in the blessed grounds of Evia, pray for the humble throne of Apostle Andrew, for the royal city, and so on. So the elder had great love for the patriarchate and the bishops in general, and he revered the ecclesiastical authority of the hierarchy. And Bartholomew brought him this epistle and went and confessed to the elder. And the elder told him, you will soon become the patriarch. I doubt it, Yeranda. Not so. The Turks will never allow it. I know many languages, and I seem to be somewhat dynamic, and this does not appeal to the Turks, and they have the final say. When we elect a patriarch, they can find ways to reject it. The choice that does not appeal to them, they can reject the elder said, no, not this time. I will come there when the election is taking place, and I will make the Turks to bicker amongst themselves, and they will forget all about you. You must become the patriarch. After a few months, this took place. Demetrius slept in the Lord. Elections for a new patriarch took place, and the choice of the candidates were handed over to the Turkish generals, and that's who determines the course of events in Turkey, the consensus of the generals. And when they began to study the document of the patriarch, they began to argue amongst themselves for no apparent reason about totally unrelated issues, a clear temptation out of the blue and in the middle of this heated argument, they remember that they also had to deal with the list of patriarchal candidates of the Greeks, or the Aramnios, as they call us there. The session was almost coming to an end, and someone said, hey, we also have to deal with the list of the Greeks. They wish to elect a patriarch. And at that point, the chief commander said, we had enough for the day, enough with the Greeks. Let them choose anyone they wish. Send the document back and tell them they are free to choose whomever they wish. And from this incident, uh, Bartholomew was elected freely as the new patriarch. And yet, some people often ask, what do monks do? 
how do they benefit society? What do saints do anyway? The saints give meaning to the church. They define history amongst other things. The Orthodox Church has as its foundation the presence of the Holy Spirit, and according to Saint Irenaeus, the great apostolic father, the church exists wherever the grace of the Holy Spirit is visible and sensible. Our contemporary saintly elders, Jacobus, Porfirios, Evmenios, Philotheos, and so many others, prove that the Orthodox Church has preserved the authentic tradition capable to defy, to lead men to theosis, to make men God by grace. In short, this was the life of the elder Iacobos. Without ever being able to exhaust his overall presence because the magnitude of a saint a man of God cannot be exhausted. He was a man who loved Cyprus and continues to love Cyprus. He used to say, it is more beneficial for me to die because now in this body I cannot come to Cyprus. But when I die, I will be coming to visit you often, my son. And glory be to God, we said enough. And please forgive us for this, for taking a lot of your time. And I pray for a fruitful, great land, a good struggle. And let's try to imitate the life of this blessed man of God. I don't see the need for any questions tonight. May God be with all of you. May God bless you.